When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. It would be much appreciated. And with the Washington Capitals grabbing a 2-1 lead in their series against the Florida Panthers, check out Steve Wino and former Washington Capital Carl Alsner on the All's Caps podcast, also part of the Empire Media Network. Today, I'm joined by North Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo as we discuss his former player, quarterback Sam Howell. He's a huge fan of Howell, as you could imagine, and provides details as to why. We talked about Howell's slide in the draft about the adjustments Howell had to make last year after losing a lot of talent around him, how he handled that. And we talked about his demeanor, which, of course, goes along with how he handled that. You could see that demeanor on display during our inter- his interviews with us at the rookie minicamp. He's an even-killed guy, and I think that helps at that position. I talked to Phil last week, and we'll have other coaches on to discuss their former players just to provide a scouting report on what Washington is getting from each guy. Some good insight, folks. Don't forget to read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the return of the marching band. They'll even be paid this time around, and they'll have an updated version of the fight song. It was weird going to games and not hearing the band the past two years. Drumline was fine last year, but it'll be nice to hear the band again. And I'll have another story this week on just kind of looking ahead toward the season and some key guys. It's You look at the rookie class, you want impact. The impact they need for, are, are, it will be from guys already on the roster. Before I play my conversation, a couple things from the rookie minicamp that we were able to see this weekend. <clears throat> we're out there one day on Friday, and so you get at least, if nothing else, it's a first impression, a baseline impression, and then you see where these guys go from there. Washington won't be signing any of the tryout guys, not anytime soon at least. A couple did stand out for them and could be signed at a later date. Again, they want to see what they have first who else might become available at positions they want to fill. And again, what might they need to fill out what they might need to fill out the other positions. They want a certain number of players at each spot going into camp among those who that at least opened their eyes this week, receiver Trey gross from Delaware state and defensive back, Will Adams from Virginia state. There were a few others too, a couple of linebackers they liked, but those were two that I heard about. So pay attention to that. But again, Probably wouldn't, probably won't be anytime soon because they do want to see who else becomes available. They are very quick to point out and often point out how after this point they got Charles Leno and DeAndre Carter. They're also intrigued by Armani Rogers, a former college quarterback who was signed as an undrafted free agent to play tight end. However, after looking at him this week at 6'5, 225, they think he might be able to play receiver for them. So we'll see. I'm going to give you, again, a first impression of the rookies. 
And we watched for about 75 minutes on Friday. So it's impossible to get a great feel for a lot of guys, especially because they're going against players who either won't be invited to camp or who will be cut eventually. And these are guys that are learning things on the field for the first time in the NFL. But you can at least see some traits, right? So that's what I focus on. So let's start with Jahan Dotson. Very smooth route runner. I think you probably knew that. I put some clips up on the YouTube channel of Dotson and some of the other rookies. So go give that a check or go check that out when you can. I love the way he sits on his routes. Reminds me in that regard of Terry McLaurin, who is really, really good at that. I don't think Dotson's quite as good as that, but I think it just reminded me of that. Very sharp person, again, like McLaurin. I think McLaurin was at a different level as far as being a leader and carrying himself a certain way. Different level than almost any other rookie that I've covered. When he entered the league, he acted and spoke like a 10-year vet. I'd say Dotson sounds more like a five-year vet. So not quite at that McLaurin level, but a guy that certainly is sharper than the average rookie. But I do like how he runs his routes. Not much wasted movement when he gets in and out of his breaks, gets to his breaks quick, good catch radius. All that was on display. Had to reach back a couple of times on some throws, reach out a couple of times, and he was able to make that catch. So that's what you see from him. The other guy who jumped out in this regard was tight end Cole Turner. He can be a little stiff in the hips when he runs, when he turns too. But I liked what I liked is that when he cuts, he does so sharply and is able to maintain a straight line. Did not drift. And that will enable him to maintain his size advantage. Made two leaping grabs that showed how he can help with his height and athleticism. I'll be curious to see how he develops as a red zone threat. There will be a lot to learn in the NFL compared to college where size would be a bigger weapon. In the NFL, it's still going to be a, it still helps, but you still have to know how to create a little separation on certain routes. Even on fades, for example, I remember talking to guys like, now this would be Chris Cooley was not the same size as Cole Turner. Turner's taller, but you'd have to be able to create a little bit of separation just to give the quarterback that little extra space to throw and, and, you know, so the guy can't, get, can't basically get his hands up there at all either. But that size will help any quarterback. Brian Robinson showed good hands on a couple pass routes. Fumbled one exchange. So I think that was really the fault of both the quarterback and Robinson. Quarterback Sam Howell didn't get the ball in the right spot. But Robinson did not really create the breadbasket that you need. He didn't get his arms all the way up. And then just the angle of Howell's handoff was off. On the next snap, they both handled it much better. Better angle by Howell and a lot better breadbasket by Robinson. These are the lessons that you learn when you're in that rookie minicamp, and it's what you carry through. So certainly not an issue, but certainly it's a lesson that they learn, and that's good. The other day on Instagram, I posted two plays of Robinson that were just very good runs, and I think it also summed up why they like him. They came on consecutive plays versus Georgia in the championship game. On the first, from inside his own five, he was hitting the backfield from the side but kept his legs moving. Could have been, maybe should have been a one-yard loss. He turned it into a two- or three-yard game. Not a spectacular run, you know, not a big flashy run, but a very good one considering what could have happened. And it, he got those yards because he kept his legs going. <clears throat> On the next play, he showed, again, why this team likes him. It was a run to the right. It appeared he was supposed to cut inside the tackle. Tackle loss inside leverage to the end. So Robinson made it appear as if he was going to turn it outside. He takes a step out to the outside. All that forced the end to, to widen. It also forced the safety coming up to play wider. And that left an opening for Robinson to cut inside. 
He then broke three or four arm, talk, arm tackles en route to about a 15 to 20 yard gain. They love how Robinson understands how to create arm tackle situations. He was one of the best in college football in this regard. And it's something they hammered into Antonio Gibson last year. It was a message that they gave to him, preached to him at the bye week last year. And they saw progress in the second half of the season for him. They wanted to get Gibson out of the habit of avoiding defensive backs who were in the hole. Um, and then trying to, because of that, he would bounce plays outside and avoid taking on guys who are smaller than him. They want him to cut it up and take advantage of that size against the defensive backs. And that's what Robinson does. It's what Gibson started to do too. And it's why they're encouraged, but it's what Robinson already does. He does not have Gibson speed and therefore won't be as explosive, but he can definitely help. He has good running back traits with Federian Mathis. Again, let's see how he handles the big fellas when, when we get, when we get to that point. But again, first impression, I like how he stays lower in his stance. You could see that in some of the drills. They just basically line up. They have gaps and like a garbage can is serves as a gap. So they'll, or a tackle. So the line up inside, outside, head on. Level. And, you know, just basically just penetrate the gap, penetrate the gap, but he would stay lower in his stance compared to some of the other linemen who were there. Um, and then, then when they go into nine on nine, got some penetration, they love this about him. They also know that a few of his sacks at Alabama came off stunts in which he was the drive guy, trying to create the opening by taking out um, the, the two, two linemen, essentially. But the play, but basically it's almost like a pick and roll. He could roll back into the sack and that's what would happen. So, but it also rewarded a guy who was giving himself up. And again, I think I told you before, what these guys heard from the Alabama coaches was that he was very selfless. So there's a lot more to learn on him. But again, I think he's a guy who will fill a role. And I think he's a guy that will fill a role um, for, again, not going to be flashy, but going to help in very subtle ways at times. It's hard to measure quarterback like Howell. You could see what his arm has to, has to offer. He can make all the throws. Did connect on a deep ball to try out receiver Chris Booker. That's Howell's strength. Misfired on a few throws early. Um, this is the wrong place to adequately measure them. It's almost like throwing at the combine where you don't really know these guys yet. So you have to get that timing down. Um, he's short. You knew that. And that's like the other quarterback, Cole Kelly, is what, like six, seven, I think it was. So the two of them together, one with Howell's around a little more than six. And then Kelly's at what, six, seven. So kind of, um, you know, just different. Let me, I want to make sure I got those, the height and, and the heights right on that. So hold on. I'm going to read off the, the Ricky minicamp sheet and we'll get stuck right here. Yeah, Howell is listed at 6'1", and Kelly is listed at 6'7". So I was about right. Anyway, I don't know why I had to go through all that trouble, but now you know. he's going. But what this means, though, is he's going to have to create good throwing lanes for himself, not just by scrambling. We know he can scramble, but by knowing how to move in the pocket. That will be the key for him. And one of the things I feel like with Heineke that he's – that's one thing that kind of holds him back that he doesn't, he's not able to always create those lanes for himself in the pocket. It's why shorter quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees succeeded because they can. So that's going to be a key for Howell. I liked watching Percy Butler on special teams work, getting off the line. He'd have a coach in front of him with pads on his arms, you know, just to try and, you know, slow him or force him to use his hands. But you could see his speed and his quickness and understanding how to attack um, certain guys. So, It'll be fun to watch him, but you could, again, you could saw, you saw his speed, but not a lot to learn from scrimmage because didn't see a whole lot there. Training camp. The one draft, draft pick who stood out to me the wrong way was Chris Paul. 
in nine-on-nine work when he was in protection, had a couple issues that he had to clean up. They moved him around the line, so that could have played into it. He played some guard, played tackle, played on both sides um, in, in that, some right, some left. Looked like he was either thinking too much or just not as comfortable. So I get it, you know, and I'll say, I will say, I talked to someone on Saturday, and they acknowledged that, yeah, it wasn't his best day, but that he was much better on Saturday. Much better, they said. So these workouts provided a good starting point for evaluation, and that that's how you take it. Like, I don't even like criticizing a guy too much in these things because you know it's a first look, right? So take that as it is. And so now you can see how does he progress, and that's what I'm going to be watching for. But it does give you a baseline to watch for. These workouts, again, I, I like watching these workouts because, again, I like to see how players progress. Sometimes you can see a guy right away is going to be better than what you thought. I remember this about Chase Ruye, his first rookie minicamp, and really liking how well he moved his feet in protection and how he handled guys, you know, on certain rushes, even though they're not, they're just in helmets and, pad, and no pads, but you can see how a guy moves and, and their understanding of what they're seeing. But you do have to temper everything and just see how guys progress. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with North Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo as we discuss Sam Howell. Why Longo says he wouldn't be surprised if a 30 for 30 gets made one day of Howell and how teams passed on him. You'll hear why he likes him and thinks that he has a chance to succeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with North Carolina offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. Well, Phil, I think... I'm sure you've done a number of interviews since the draft, and I'm sure the number one question you keep getting is, how did Sam Howell fall to the fifth round? I mean, can you have you been able to figure this out the more you've talked and thought about it? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I really haven't, and I haven't put any thought into it because I, I, you know, I don't know what's going through the minds of NFL coaches and scouts. Um, I know that before the draft, there was an incredible attendance at all of our practices and our games. Um, there was uh, considerable interest by a lot of the programs, particularly the ones with some sort of uh, quarterback situation going on. I also know the landscape changed drastically. You know, you have Tom Brady retired, then he comes back, and you have Aaron Rodgers. Is he leaving Green Bay or is he not? You have Wilson going to the Broncos, all that stuff, um, and, and numerous other trades and activity that went on. So, for you know, I, I've got my own job to do, so to sit here and try and project right and where and what happened is hard for me. I, I know this, the day that uh, Sam Howell steps on the field and competes where he got drafted isn't going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is execution and production. And so I think right now that's what he's focused on. Did you hear much from Washington in this process? I'll be honest, like I knew that they liked him going into this process. Did you hear much from Washington at all before this? Yeah, they were they were present and, and uh, you know, there was communication and, and uh, they came and watched them work out. And, you know, I've talked to people. I know Coach Brown has talked to people. So, yeah, I, I really thought uh, I had talked to 27 of the 32 teams. So, you know, you, you could tell that the interest level was there. And, 
you know, I, I don't think it's any different than the, these college kids that come out of high school. They've got all these stars, and the minute they step on our campus, none of that matters anyway. And right, so, and that's true. And I would I would think that in the NFL, what round you were drafted in doesn't matter at all if you're productive or, you know, on the field when you're competing. Well, and I'll be honest. Like the best players that I've been around, they when they get here, they they say, "Okay, I'm here now." What, where I was drafted doesn't matter. I've got to work to stay here. What do you think teams missed on him? You know, I, I don't know uh, if there was someone out there that didn't like something about Sam. I, I know what he can do, you know, and uh, he's incredibly accurate. He can make any throw on the field. He can throw off platform. Um, he can make plays with his legs. He can extend plays. And, and uh, he's got great pocket presence with regards to, you know, trying to uh, extend the play for half a second to get off another throw. Um, he's an elite preparation guy, has a great knowledge of the games. Matter of fact, two, the last two years of his three years of development here, he and I have watched countless pro games calling our offense against pro defenses just to keep feeding his hunger and keep trying to prepare him and keep trying to challenge him with things that maybe he wasn't necessarily seeing in the ACC just, just to improve and increase his overall development. So I know that he's super excited about the next chapter. And the only thing he's focused on right now is the playbook. And that's interesting that you did that. So one of the things I've read from you is one, he um, elite mentally and obsessed with the game. Where, like, is that part of that obsession? Did he come to you and say, can I do this? Or how did that evolve? And is that part of that obsession? Well, it, it is. I mean, he was constantly, Sam constantly looking to learn more. Anything that could give him a little bit of an advantage over who he's playing or who he's competing with. He's, he's going to try and master it. And he really, it, it comes so naturally with him. Sam is not a rep guy. You know, you tell him something, he's going to learn it. We can move on to the next thing. Hmm. You know, he's intelligent like that. And, and, and uh, he retains things. Um, I really never had to coach the same thing twice with him, you know, from a, an understanding or a mental standpoint. And then physically, you get out there and you try to work on the things that he needs to get better at in the physical realm. And, you know, he's 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 meticulous with regards to preparation. And I use the word obsessed because that's really where he is right now. That's a that's a word I'd love to be able to use about every quarterback I've ever coached or ever will coach, because that's where they need to be, I think, to be right. successful. And, and that's the world he's living in right now. He got bit somewhere by this football bug and he loves it. And he studies it and he can't get enough of it. And heading into the uh, his first chapter in the NFL, I think he's in a good place right now. Give me an example of that meticulous um, aspect uh, that, that you talk about. Well, I mean, you know, before I could even provide him with a schedule, I show all our quarterbacks my, my OC schedule for the week because it's all about time management. You don't have enough time to hit all this stuff unless you're, you're – I mean, I schedule in – the the one-on-one the -on -one time with my daughters I've got to do that right, or, right. but before I ever shared that that schedule Sam had really kind of developed his own you know and one of the things that he did very early in the week Sunday or Monday was he go study protections before we even met wow. and he meticulously go through all of the fronts and pressures and would be very very prepared for our meeting on the fronts and pressures and he'd already have questions written out and ready to ask and situations and scenarios that he wanted to discuss and talk about before I even got to address them. So 
doing that, we, we started so further, so far, so much further down the line in the conversation or in the preparation for protections, because he had done all this work previously before he and I got together. And that's, that's just one small example of the type of preparation he puts into getting ready for an opponent. It's funny because I, you know, when you talk about elite mentally, I was going to ask you, and it sounds like the answer's already was that, that is it just because he's so smart or because of the way he prepares, but it sounds like it's probably maybe a combination of both. It, it, it's definitely both. And, and th- those aren't things that everybody, you know, those aren't tools that everybody are naturally blessed with. And Sam is, you know, he under the, the game comes very naturally to him. Um, and then on the other end, he's so willing um, and excited to put in the work to, to get ready for Sunday. One of the other things that people talk about with him is the deep ball, that he is a really good deep ball. Why does he throw a good deep ball, do you think? Well, I, you know, I'd like to take credit for it. I can't. I mean, it just is a natural talent that he has. You know, now we emphasize it because we throw so many of them. Um, so it's something that we've done a lot of over the years. And he, you know, because he excelled at it early, we continued to do it. And, you know, you try to play to the strengths of your of your guys. We, we would like that to be a part of what we do offensively. But Sam has to be good at it. And you've got to have receivers on the other end that excel at it. Otherwise, you move in a different direction. We never had to do that here because um, he's incredibly accurate with his deep ball, uh, makes good, intelligent decisions on the deep ball. He's a really good ball placement guy, and I think that will continue in the NFL. One of the things that I heard from even here, they would talk about um, with, with Sam, you could look, go back and look at last year's film, and they'd say, well, you need to go back and look at the previous year because look at all the guys he lost, including Deami Brown to here. How much was that a factor for him, and, and how did he handle that, do you think? Well, for me, and from the coaching standpoint, it sounds like excuses, but when we're discussing things with Sam, you know, he had Michael Carter, Javante Williams, 2,000-yard rushers. He had De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsom, 2,000-yard receivers in 2020. And the job of the quarterback in our offense is to, to be a great distributor of the football. And we want him to get all this talent, the ball, in open grass and then you let these guys go be the athletes that you recruited them to be. Going into 2021, he loses the 2,000-yard rushers. He loses the 2,000-yard receivers. And, it, and it's our job as a program, as it is every program, to replace those guys and, 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 and maintain and keep doing what you do. But that was, that was four, four guys that really accounted for 4,300 of our 6,300 offensive yards. And then I think what a lot of people don't know is we actually got into the season and lost our starting center for a while. Right. So now you're down four skill guys in the starting center. And then the only returning running uh, receiver, uh, Bo Corrales, that was coming back, we lost him for the season, you know, from a complication after surgery for a sports injury. So now he's got six starters that he had the year before, him being the seven. So the only thing coming back going into this season that had any experience playing were some guys up front on the offensive line. So Sam, I thought, you know, and, and really statistically was a lot, was more productive this year than he was in 2020 and 2019. You know, he threw for three or 400 yards less, but he ran the ball for 828. It's not often that you say, hey, look, we're losing 2,000-yard rushers. Hey, we'll solve the problem by replacing one of them by bringing in Ty Chandler from Tennessee. Oh, and by the way, Sam, our starting quarterback, you need to be the other 1,000-yard rusher. Right. Did that. You know, and you take the sack yardage away, and he probably rushed for over 1,100 yards. A lot of comparisons to Baker Mayfield. Who do you see 
And a part of that is because the size and a little bit of the play style, but who do you see as a, maybe a more apt comparison um, to, to what, what you think the style of quarterback you think Sam can be? You know, it's interesting the Baker Mayfield compare. I mean, the size is similar. The arm talent is certainly similar. You know, you got the beard and all that, but right. truth, uh, studying a lot of these quarterbacks from the past, you know, right up in, until now, I think the one that pops out to me that I, that I expressed to Sam a long time ago was Drew Brees. Mm. You know, and even Drew uh, agreed when we talked about it at the Notre Dame game. He covered our game against Notre Dame. And, you know, Sam is about the same size, a little thicker. Um, and I'm not suggesting that he'll be the next Drew Brees. Right. But I, what I'm saying is skill set-wise, talent-base-wise, he has the same strengths that, that Drew has. And he's got good pocket presence. He can move and extend the play in the pocket. Um, his first choice is not necessarily to run. He did a lot of that this year to help us win games, but he has an in incredibly quick trigger. He's a, he's a short arm action guy. He can get rid of the ball quickly. You can be really, really close to Sam and he has a shot at getting the ball off anyway. Um, and those are things, and he's incredibly accurate. Um, and as we've, we've said earlier, he can throw the deep ball and all of those things are strengths that Drew had. And so I, I liken him to the skill set of Drew Brees more than anybody I've watched in the NFL. In your style of offense, um, how did you, in terms of like the going back to the mental aspect, the responsibilities you put on him at the line, what kind of responsibilities did he have at the line that maybe was it more than what you would give somebody else? You know, the only thing that we get, you know, our whole philosophy here is to keep everything as simple as we can so the guys can go play football. And we don't, we don't want to uh, constrain them. We don't want to, I don't want to handicap them in any way with more knowledge and more things to think about and more decisions to make than they need to actually excel at the play. And that's the same with Sam. Now, having said that, the quarterback has a lot on his plate as he does in any program. Sam right now could draw up any running concept that we have in the offense. He could tell you the footwork of the O-line. He could tell you the technique. He could tell you why and how we handle all of the different pressure situations in our run game. He can check a protection to anything that you need in play action protection and quick protection and slide protection and man protection. He understands all of those things. He's, he's a coach on the field right now. And I think what he doesn't know in the world of football, he will when they teach it to him. You know, he's not, like I said, he's not a big rep guy. You teach it, he's going to know it. You're going to be able to progress to the, to the next thing. Um, and, and that enabled us to take the offense as far as we wanted to, because we were near really never slowed by, his development, if anything, we're able to get the things quicker because he can handle it. Two more things on Sam. Is there something um, as a person that you say, hey, you know, we've talked about the football side. What do people need to know about him as a person, just from a personal standpoint, um, just about him? I, you know, I would say uh, demeanor, in my opinion, has been his, his demeanor, his composure, his poise, uh, the fact that he's a little bit quieter because he's a thinker and he's a, he's a process. He is uh, – it's a tremendous asset for him. And, and I say that because he's, he's, he's really very unflappable. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to get rattled easy. And I often say you could never tell whether he's up 20 or down 20 by his body language. He's going to be, he's going to be extremely enthusiastic. He's not going to be overly emotional, which is why I think he's so consistently efficient. And the other thing I would say is uh, you don't see him like a Baker Mayfield or a more or a Peyton Manning, a more demonstrative guy, you don't see him leading 
um, by being boisterous and loud and using his hands and and his body language and all that. That's that's not his style. Um, he'll lead he'll lead by coaching players. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll lead by grabbing their jersey and talking to them after a practice rack of plays or after a series offensively in a game. Um, you know, and he said something to me a, a while back this season when I asked him. Why is it that you're not more demonstrative or you don't you don't attack or get after the players when they don't give you what you need or what you want? And he said, Coach, when teammates have respect for you, you, you don't have to MF them or yell at them to get a response. And, and and he's right. You know, and he had the respect of the locker room. And all he needed to do was was whisper something over to a receiver and he's going to get a better route, say something to an offensive lineman and he's going to get a better effort. And then that's just the way he leads. He just doesn't feel the need to have to be uh, – to call somebody out to, to coach them up on something. I want to ask you about Diami for one minute, but I have one last thing on, on Sam um, with, with him. What, where do you see his career going? I mean, if, if you're sitting there making a prediction, what are you saying? You know, I, someone quoted me the other day. I got to watch what I say, I suppose. But I said, it wouldn't surprise me if five or eight years from now, there's a 30 for 30 on Sam Howell about, well, he went in the fifth round, but look where he is now. That that would not surprise me, just knowing how obsessed he is with the game, how competitive he is, and how talented he is. So that's that's uh, I, I think the sky's the limit right now for Sam Hell. And then two minutes or one minute on Diami, um, you you had him as well, and you came out your last year, had some adjustments to make in Washington, showed a little bit of things at the end of the year. But what's your take on Diami Brown? Um, the feedback I've gotten is that he got stronger as the year went on. He did a better job in special teams, and they seem to be excited about him right now. I, I know how uh, explosive he can be, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him develop this year. And I would imagine if you see the same improvement in Deami Brown from year one to year two that you did in Chapel Hill, you'll, you're probably going to be very, very happy with him. He played special teams. He was a gunner at times, and he, they felt like maybe he developed a little bit more of that physicality. Do you think that was necessary for him as a receiver? Yeah, there, there's no question. I, I don't know if uh, physicality is a word that you use with any receivers as they end. <laughs> to a degree, right. But I, I think they all learn very quickly that that is a necessary component, and you're either going to be physical or you're not, and that's probably going to have a lot to do with whether you stay or you go. So I think he, he's under, he understands that. Everything we asked Diami to do in, in college to get better and excel, he did. And you know, I don't I don't see his approach changing with the with the commanders. And I almost said the Redskins there. <laughs> Trust me, you're not alone in in that there. And I probably wouldn't have noticed. Um, last thing then, having those two back together, and I know it takes more than just being reunited with the guy, but what do you think it would mean for each other to be reunited and be maybe be on the field someday together? Well, I think Sam is regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the history of uh, North Carolina and, and in the ACC. And I think the Ami is regarded as the same in his position. And so the two of them have created a lot of great ACC and North Carolina moments on the field. And I, you know, I think it's got to give them both confidence that they're going to be in and around each other on the field again. And whether or not they're able to play together at some point this year or, or the next will you know, f- future will tell, but I'm I'm excited that they get to go back to the same football field and did and do what they did so well in the past. At, at well, I appreciate I appreciate your time. Great insight, and thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for the invite.
That's it for this episode. Thanks to Phil for joining me and thank you as always for listening. There's a lot of content out there. You have a choice. Thank you for choosing me. I'll be back with another episode Tuesday night or Wednesday morning as we continue our look at Washington's draft class through the eyes of people who know these players best. Talk to you next time.